don't know about you, but I'm, I'm ready to get in some work. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, the first verse. Whew, my goodness. It says, Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Uh, we have to understand that the gospel preached, if you put that in a different translation, I think it's the NIV, uh, please, if you would. Yes. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, the good news, the gospel, the good news. Uh, last week we talked about the gospel. We talked about understanding how you have an image of hope in your inside of you. Whatever image you have is what your hope will build or what your faith will build. And so we've been talking about understanding that image that's in you uh, and realizing that if it's not mixed with faith, uh, then there is no profit. We, you know, very basic terms. Profit is revenue exceeds expenses. So if you are not in business, let's say, and you're just, you know, not in business and you, let's say, you just manage your own finances or whatever, uh, you realize that if you have uh, more bills than you got money, you have no profit. And so the goal is to have more money than bills, which means you now have a profit. And so what he's saying is that it did not help them. It did not benefit them uh, because they did not mix what they heard with faith. And so we also understand that the good news was proclaimed to us as he said it was to them. And them is referring to those that were in the days of the provocation, where uh, you read Hebrews chapter 3, it talks about how the people dealt with Moses and how the children of Israel just would not go in to their promised land. And so God allowed uh, them to die in the wilderness, and then he took their children in. Uh, how many of you know that I don't want to fail from going into whatever God has for me. And so then he says that if we're going to be afraid of something, and he doesn't mean fear as in the sense of, of scared. He means fear as in a sense of being mindful of the result or mindful of not falling into the same place of coming short of that which he has for us. And so let's go to Matthew uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Matthew 8. One. It says, when he was come down from the mountain, a great multitude followed him, and behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I'm not sure if I will. Let me think about it. He said, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way and show thyself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Uh, short side note, one of the things that are important for you to understand is God is not afraid of the doctors. Because see, what he said is now that you're healed, go show yourself to the doctors, to the priests, and let them declare you officially healed. So many people think that doctors' faith and medicine don't work together. Doctors' faith and medicine do work very much together. I remember a long time ago, there was someone who was really struggling in the mental arena, and they were taking medication, and they said to me, uh, Pastor, the Lord healed me. And I said, good, then go show yourself to the doctor and let them pronounce you're healed. And they were like, well, I'm afraid they're not going to agree with me. 
Well, then listen, the realities are that if God has moved, God has moved. And what God has done, no man can undo. Are y'all with me? And so you got to be careful because sometimes people will try to believe God for what is not being confirmed in them. And I'm not talking about the area where you're believing in faith. What I'm saying is if you know that you're healed and you know you've got it, then there's no need for you to be afraid of what doctors would say because doctors will confirm what God has done in you. Well, this particular person stopped taking their medications and then slowly but surely twisted off. Because they were not fully healed, yet and still they refused to follow the routes. But notice what Jesus said, you're healed, now go show yourself to the priest. Because the priest will confirm that what I've said has been done, and then you can go on. Are, are you with me? Um, so then it says, Jesus said unto him, see, I'll tell no man, go that way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, he goeth. I say to another, come, he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. Jesus heard it, and he marveled, and said unto them, Followed, verily I say unto you, I have not found such great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come uh, from the east and the west, shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of this kingdom shall be cast out into inner darkness or outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way. As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed the selfsame hour. When Jesus came into Peter's house. He saw his wife's mother laid sick of a fever. I'm so glad he loved his mother-in-law. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. When even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. He cast out spirits with his word. He healed all that were sick, and it might be that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, we see three different healings uh, back to back. We see the leper comes in. The leper says, if you will, I know that you can. And he said, I will, and I, and I did. So now go yourself, show yourself to the priest. Second one, centurion comes, and he says, I've got a servant who's sick with the palsy. Jesus says, I'll go ahead and do what the leper asked. He, that leper asked me to lay hands on him, so I'm going to go ahead to your house and lay hands on him. Centurion said, no, that's not my image. The image I have in my head is this. All you've got to do is say the word. And if you speak the word, then I know my servant will be healed because I'm a man under authority. I understand authority. If I tell somebody to go, they go. If I tell them to sit, they sit. If I tell them to do this, they do it. And so Jesus marveled. Now you're talking to Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh. He is the word, and the word is him. And he is marveling over somebody who is literally operating in faith. He says, I have not seen such great faith or such a high image. No, in not all of Israel. Then he goes to uh, Peter's house, and Peter's wife's uh, mother, his mother-in-law, is possessed uh, with, and, and some translates says she's possessed, uh, some says she's oppressed, some say she's harassed, some use the word fever. It doesn't matter what words you use, it all comes from the same pit of hell. And so we notice, thank God, that, uh, you know, in dealing with Peter and Peter's mother-in-law, that Peter loved his mother-in-law. Because if he didn't like her, he'd just be like, you know what, she's all right. 
<clears throat> so now he lays hand, he touches her by the hand. She, uh, oppression leaves her. And this is what I want you to begin to understand because so many people do not realize when they, especially with these COVID stuff that's going on right now, people are not realizing that it is really not so much the disease as much as it is the fear that comes with it. If you want to uh, put a mask on something, you ought to put a mask on the media and get them to shut up because the reality is that they're creating mass hysteria and it's the fear that kills people. And so I want you, because that's why the Bible says that men's heart fail them for fear. There's a point where when people become so overwhelmed, uh, if you've noticed in, as time has gone on, you're noticing that the death tolls and things like that are changing very rapidly because people are starting to get to a place where they're not operating at such levels of panic. And that's important because when you deal with fear and you deal with those types of oppressions, many people think it's just natural. How could he lay hands on her in a fever leave? And what is the, one of the most predominant symptoms with COVID is fever. See, I want you to see something here because it's not all natural. Now, don't get me wrong. We operate in wisdom, and that's why we do the things that we do as an organization to protect people and to, uh, if you will, capitulate to some of what is needed in order to make sure that we are providing an atmosphere that protects people whose faith may not be where per se, mine may be or someone else's. But the reality is, make no mistake about it, if you think that you can sit and hide in your house and it will never find you because it is not a natural thing, you can live like a hermit and be locked in a room and it will find you because it's a spirit. It is not natural. Are y'all understanding what I'm going with this? So then, <clears throat> now, we watched the, the lepers came, he laid hands on them. We watched the centurion come, he said, you just say the word and it, it'll be done. And then he sees uh, Peter's mother-in-law laying in the bed. She's oppressed. He lays, touches her hand, and that leaves her, and she's now healed and fine. It says that many came, and he cast them out with his word. But we see all of these different uh, responses and different ways that people have obtained their healing, and they have obtained it uh, in accordance with what they asked for. So now when you look at verse 13, it says, um, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, as I have believed, so be it done unto thee. He didn't say as Jesus believed. Jesus said as you believed. Which is he saying? He's telling him that according to your image, the way you approach God and your image of God will determine what you get from God. So if you approached him and said, I need you to lay hands on me, he said, fine, I will. The centurion said, I don't need you to lay hands. All I need you to do is speak the word. And he said, oh, really? I'm shocked. Everybody else needs me to come. He said, I don't need you to do all that. I get the concept of authority. His image was so great that he responded to his image. That's why he said, according to how you believed, now you got what you asked for. Because you came to me with a belief that you wanted something in a way that you were clear about what image you had and you dealt with me in accordance with that image. So now be it unto you in accordance with your faith. This is why people do not understand that you cannot just confess your way out of things that you really don't believe. Because faith confession will not make or build what it is that is a problematic image. If you've got a bad image of something in you, of how it's supposed to be, then what is your faith going to build? Not your confession, but the real image you have. This is why Jesus marveled. He's like, I, I just don't see this. I don't understand. I don't see this in Israel. Now, this becomes the understanding that faith now, if it's built on an image, then hope 
becomes the driving force to your faith. Image, then, is idiosyncratic, and the outcome of your faith is axiomatic. And let me explain what that means. Idiosyncratic means that it's unique, it's individual. Uh, you know, what you as a person is idiosyncratic. You are unique to you. There is never going to be another you. You may have children that look like you, but they are not going to be you. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? And so that makes it idiosyncratic, or in other words, unique or individual in its characteristics, yet its effect is axiomatic, which means it doesn't change. The effect will be eternal, and it will be the same. So whatever it is that you have an image of has an eternal effect on your life. So even though it's unique to you, it's still going to have an eternal effect on you. Which means that when you deal with different people, different people have a different level of faith. Some people's image of success might be in the millions. Some people's image of success might be in the hundreds of thousands. It doesn't mean one is better than the other. It doesn't mean one is less than than the other. It means they have a different image. And if God will deal with us in accordance to the image, then how many of you understand you don't have the right to talk about anything concerning someone else and what they are believing God for. Because what they are believing God for is unique to them. It never becomes more clear than if you're in a funeral. When you show up at a funeral, I was watching this, this TV show, and the lady comes through the door, and she starts screaming. And they're like, nobody's here yet. And she stops. And then finally, after everything's all set up, and everybody's there, they're going to go, now. <laughs> See, People, listen to me, <clears throat> if you view death the way God views death, then he says how precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. Is that easy? No. But that's his view. So then anything less than his view becomes our view. And if we are to strive for his view, oh, I wish you could see it. It will be according to your image. So if your image is it's horrible and it's the worst thing in the world, and the, you know, da, 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 then you're going to respond out of that because that's your image. And now you wonder why your faith can't move in that. Or let me say it a different way. If there's anything in, you, in your life that you don't like or want, it's according to your image. And if you really want to change it, you better change your image. You better get a new revelation of who you... This is why a lot of times, y'all, with... Uh, with spiritual guidance, oftentimes if I'm dealing with someone who has uh, felt the effects of emotional abuse, uh, I'm not talking about sexual abuse, I'm talking about emotional abuse or physical abuse uh, in someone who is of age and dealing with someone in, in some type of relationship, usually the problem is their image of themselves. Not that that's what launched the attacks against them, not that that's why they're being attacked, but that's why they're in a relationship that allows them to be attacked, is because their image is so low of themselves that they do not understand that's not what it looks like. And a lot of times when you deal with those types of relationships, somebody somewhere was in a relationship or watched a relationship that acted just like that, and it built an image in them. So they grew up this way. My daddy beat my mama, so I'm just following what he did because there was an image built. And then now you respond out of the image and not out of what should be, but what you believe it's supposed to be. 
And you would have to have a very low self-esteem to allow yourself to be in a relationship and to be abused by somebody and not know that you deserve better and not know that there is a way that someone should treat you and you teach people how to treat you because what you tolerate, people will continue to do. So if you don't like it and you won't check it, then you're doomed to repeat it. Do, do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so when you have an image, your life will lean towards the image as opposed to what you may be proclaiming to be your faith. So then if that is true, then which I believe it is, then hope becomes the fingerprint to your miracle. Or your image becomes your fingerprint to your miracle. And just as uniquely idiosyncratic is your fingerprint, so is the faith in which you are functioning. That's why it's hard to give people advice. You should give them counsel. Because <laughs> some people want to give you advice. Well, this is what I would do. You are not me. Don't tell me what you would do. Give me counsel. Counsel is, comes from the Spirit of God. Counsel is godly uh, uh, counsel. It's not advice. It's not, well, let me tell you what I would do based on my unique experiences. No, my job is to figure out what you can do, what can you handle, what can you believe God for, and then bolster you from that point so we can get your faith to start working. Otherwise, it's just an opinion. Do, do you see it? So then the uniqueness of their image becomes became the, blue, blue, the, uh, the blueprint of the uniqueness of their miracle. One said, lay hands on me. He said, fine, I'll do it. You're healed. One said, you ain't got to lay hands. Just say the word. Fine, we'll do it. One touched her hand. She's healed. One, he spoke the word. He said, all based on the uniqueness of the image that they approached him with. So then if you can't get your image to where it needs to be, don't talk anything about mine because it's none of your business. Your job is to get your image where it needs to be to see the things you need to see so that you can believe God for the next level. Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able, is he able, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. This, this helps you to understand two things. There are two major points here. Number one, what he's capable of. Number two, what he will do for you. In other words, what can he do? What will he do? That's what this verse is telling you. There's two things he's addressing. He can do anything. Yes, I agree. But will he do everything? No, because it's according to the power that worketh in us. So when you watch television and you see, uh, they say five out of ten doctors recommend blah, blah, blah. Well, usually they say 9 out of 10 because they want you to think that everybody's on the same page. But it depends on which 10 they interviewed. But that's a whole other discussion. So 9 out of 10 doctors uh, agree that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Although the side effects is you might die, but that's okay. <laughs> now, hear me. What are they telling you? 90%. 90%. 90 per 100. That's what they're telling you. They're telling you a fraction. So then if God's ability is 100% and you can believe him to a one, you're only going to get 1% of what God can do. Although he can do 100, but all you get is a fraction of what you are able, because what does it say? According to the power to work is where? In us. Not in so-and-so. 
Not in sister so-and-so. Not in mama and them. But in you. So at what powers worketh in you, or what is the measure that works in you? Because God cannot do in your life what he wants to do, or the way he can do it, because you might not be able to handle that. So God cannot deal with you according to him. He has to deal with you according to you. So what is the whole purpose of going to church? It's going to church is to take you from a one to a two to a five to a ten to the point where you can believe God for everything you possibly can until we grow into the fullness of the unity of faith, that we mature into believers that can trust God and believe God to make things happen. And so when people are struggling with their image, then that's why they struggle with the power of God. And then they wonder, well, where is God and why? hasn't God done this and when's he going to do that I don't know how about your image because if one can believe God that he could just speak the word and the other one says you got to touch me then it isn't on God's side it's on Proverbs 23 7 I'm going after the first part here, which is, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Can you think in your spirit? Where do you think? You think in your brain. Where is your brain? Brain, your mind, will, and emotions. Your mind, will, and emotions is your soul. So as you think in your heart, or as you think in your soul, so are you. So if you think you're nothing, you're going to get nothing. If you think you can't, you won't. That's why in our house we have a saying, if you can't, you must. Because we're not going to be defined by our limitations. So then, have you ever seen somebody or know somebody where you're like, he or she doesn't have a problem with getting dates and going out and things like that, but they look like Magilla Gorilla? And you're like, how is that possible? But they have an image of themselves that's very different than what you see. But because they have that image, and then you see someone and you're like, they're, they're a good catch. What's up with that? How come nobody sees? See, when, when in num Numbers, Numbers, was it 13? Go to Numbers 13, verse 33. Real quick, let's see what that is. That's it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Listen, he said, because we were that way in our own sight, so we were in their sight. Now listen to me. They were spies sent to the land, right? They don't know what anybody thought. They don't. They have no clue what these people thought about them. Because if you remember, Rahab later said everybody was afraid. When they, found that when they realized that God had given it to them, they were just waiting to be taken. But yet they went in and said, because we were grasshoppers in our own sight, You know, one of the things I've learned, I've noticed uh, since, I, since I bought my car, 
that I have personally. When I pull up places and people see what kind of car I step out of, they deal with me differently. There's a lot more sirs. See, they just, because <laughs> how you present yourself will, will, will be indicative of how people deal with you. So then if, as you think in your heart a certain way, so are you, then how you see yourself will determine how people deal with you. Well, I just don't understand why uh, ain't nobody putting no respect on my name. Because you don't act like a respectable person. <laughs> because if you handle yourself in a certain way, people will put. <laughs> Praise him. So then, if he tells us to understand the image that's in us then how you think in your heart or your mind, will, and emotions, how you feel about yourself will determine the output you get. Do you remember when I was telling you guys, some of you may remember this, I was telling you when my child was first born, they, they tried to, you know, they test, they did this hearing test on one side and then they did it on the other side and one side failed and then they came back the next day and they did it again and one side passed and the other side failed. And so they're like, well, this thing keeps jumping from one side to the next. And so then they sent me to this other uh, specialist that we had to go to and the specialist was like well we need to do this and do that and do the other and the way they initially described it to me because they put it on this piece of paper that said the state of Arizona they made it seem like we had to go down this road and then so something just said because I'm it's irritating me as I'm sitting there as this person's talking about all this we've got to do this we're going to have to do this we're going to have to do this type of surgery and this that and the third and I'm and I'm getting more and more agitated and finally I said do we have to do this? And it was like dancing, right? And so I've been in sales long enough over my career to know when people start dancing, you got them on the ropes. Because the answer is yes, or the answer is no, right? So long story short, she then finally cops to the idea that I don't have to. I said, well, then I don't have to. Deuces, I'm out. Now listen, if you took a Cheeto bag and buried it 500 feet under the ground and crinkled it, my child can hear it from 100 yards. <laughs> Y'all hear what I'm saying? <clears throat> but what they try to do is get you to think differently. Because if you think differently, you'll start confessing things over your child. Well, my child has this. You don't understand. My child has that. So my child can't do this because my child has ADD or my child has ADHD or my child has this or my child has FYI, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, crooked letter, crooked letter, I, humpback, humpback, I, whatever it is. No, that's what they do. Because what they're trying to do is change what you think. So that if they change what you think, they changes your image. And when it changes your image, you drop your image down to what they want it to be. And then all of a sudden, you are speaking over yourself, your child, with that image. And lo and behold, it comes to pass. That's how they do it. So, <laughs> so you ready? Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. 
So, okay, when you talk about prosperity, right? Because remember it says they didn't profit because they didn't mix it with faith. And when you begin to talk about prosperity as it relates to uh, biblical things, people really separate on this issue. I've heard people say that God, when he's talking about prospering, he doesn't mean that you can prosper financially. I've heard people say, you're not one of those prosperity gospel preachers, are you? And my response is, I am not a poverty preaching person, neither. So uh, do I believe in prosperity? Of course I do. And there's no way in the world you can convince me otherwise. But there are so many that struggle with the idea of prosperity because they think in their heads it's not of God. And whatever you have an image of, you are going to produce. So I want to show you straight out of the master's mouth. You ready? And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him a book of the prophet Isaiah, which he opened the book. He found a place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, everybody gets to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That means that you are in the year of the Lord's favor, or you're in the season where you are acceptable unto God. Everybody gets that's their salvation. We rally around that and think that's just the gospel. But the gospel, if it's the good news, and he's broken it down to so many different things, then the gospel is not limited to just your salvation. What's the point of you getting saved and die every day? So then if you are saved, then he's telling you, this is what I came here to do. And so when he opened the book, he found himself in the book and began to talk to them about who he was. And then he sat down and said, this is now fulfilled in your ears. Or in other words, right now, you are now seeing the fulfillment of this. Some of you would, do fair, you would fare way better in life if you would learn to find yourself in the Bible before you respond to situations. If you would find yourself in the Word and then begin to speak from that place, yes, you're still going to irritate some folks, but the reality is you're going to walk in a level of victory because you found yourself from the Word and not from your opinion. You found yourself from the Word and not from what they said about you. You found yourself in the Word, but not by what lies were told against you. You found yourself in the word because the word is where the answers are to who you really are and so he closed the book gave it again to the minister and sat down all eyes were upon him and the synagogue were fastened on him he began to say unto them this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears and all bear witness wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth and they said is this not Joseph's son this guy is giving you all the answers to the questions you didn't even know you had. And you're concerned with whose kid he is. Watch what he goes on to say. And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard and done in Capernaum, also do here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and when the great famine was throughout the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save Sarepta, the city of Sidon, unto a woman who was a widow. Many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, saving Naaman, 
the Syrian. All they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went on about his business and left. Literally, peace out. Now, here's my question to you. He says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, right? He has anointed me, preached gospel to the poor. He's, he's breaking it all down to what he all came to do. Then he says, as he's teaching them, they start rejecting him, and he says, you know what your problem is? He said, watch this. There were how many widows in Israel? He said, yet God skipped all of them and went to a woman, and he said where she's from. That's the key, sit on. Because if you know in other places, he said, stay away from Tyre and sit on because they're heathens. So he was saying, God left all you covenant people and went to a heathen and took care of her house and blessed her mightily, took care of her child, took care of her family, her home, and her in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of recession, in the midst of depression, in the midst of panic. He took care of her and her home, and he left all of you covenant people and found a heathen who was dared to believe for her prosperity, and he showed up for her and blessed everything that she had because she dared to believe. Then, weren't there a whole bunch of sick lepers in Israel? All of them covenant people sick with leprosy? He said, he left him and went to a Syrian and healed. Do you not see that he's telling them prosperity and healing skipped them because they wouldn't believe? And the same message he's preaching to them because they're talking about, aren't you so-and-so's son? They're rejecting it again. And he's like, you are missing the point because I told you that it was fulfilled in your ears right now that you can prosper, you can be healed, you can be whole, you can have healthy relationships, and it's all the good news. And he said, but you're missing it, and you're so mad, you're ready to throw me off a cliff because I'm telling you, you can prosper. Which is the same thing that boggles my mind when a preacher tells you God wants you to prosper and have money, but you're mad about it. But you go work 40, 60 hours a week to get money. And then, well, I, you know, I just don't need it. That's why, that's why we're losing the battle in all the things that are coming against us in this world. That's why agendas are being done and you have no clue because you need money to do things. You need influence to do things. Presidents need to be calling us. What do you think we should do about this situation? They're not. Why? Because we're not in a position. We're too busy trying to judge what someone else is doing. We're too busy about nonsense. Well, I don't need all that. Sure you do because you're blessed to be a and all the while, there's an agenda working that is moving in money, that is forcing us to live and to tolerate things that we should not have to tolerate. And this is why, people, you need to get woke. 
See, I, I, I was not going to do this. I talked myself out of it, then talked myself back into it, and then I just decided we just going to do what we do. Amen. Now, 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 I want to add a preface to this because in case the clip gets somewhere that people understand exactly what I'm saying and they don't do what the rest of the media does, which is take one piece and then throw it out of context. So I am absolutely against the things that have happened concerning police brutality and, and against uh, all peoples of different colors, but I, I, you know, recent events and things like that, I'm totally against it. I think it's wrong, I think it's demonic, I think it's evil, and I'm against it. But when people say, do you support Black Lives Matter? I do not. Do I support the statement that Black Lives Matter? Yes. Do I support the movement, the, 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 the angle, the system, the situation? The, 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 no, I do not. You want to know why? Because I told y'all weeks ago, I said, go to their website and read the entirety of their preamble. Who did it? Anybody do it? So you have forced me. So, so the first few paragraphs talk about social injustice and talks about the African-American community, and it's, it's great. It is beautiful, the, the cause, the mission. Yes. And then, because they know that people don't read. And what I'm about to read to you is not my interpretation. It is not my wording. It is theirs, and they're bold about it, and it's open. They're not hiding. It's, it's in plain view. We make space for transgendered brothers and sisters to participate and lead. We are self-reflective and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift black trans folk, especially black trans women, who continue to be disproportionately impacted by trans antagonistic violence. We make space that affirms black women as free from sexism, misogyny, and environments in which men are centered. We practice empathy. We engage comrades with the intent to learn about and to connect with their contexts. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. We foster a queer affirming network when we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the, the belief that all the world are heterosexual unless she slash he or they disclose otherwise. You know what heteronormative thinking is? Hetero means heterosexual, normative means that's the norm, and thinking means the way you think. They are working diligently to change. And then they come in with this nonsense of talking about, well, we need to defund the police. What, really? Really? Who are you going to call, Ghostbusters? Because I tell you what's going to happen. You can skip all that because you come to my house, you can just call the coroner. So I, I'd rather you call Popo. Let them come. They're more diplomatic. Do I, do I 
agree with the notion that there needs to be better systems for all people? Yes, I do. But are you going to get me to give my money to, my time to, and my attention to? Because see, here, here's, what, here's what half the world is missing. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that are mad. But guess what? Don't care. You want to know why? Because that's not something I made up. So here's what happens. They come in. They find some event that's occurred that's terrible. And they use it to their advantage, raise money. Everybody's sending money. Then when all that's over, they pull out and Antifa and other groups come in. And they riot and they do all kinds of things that are hurtful and wrong. And, and, then, and then we sit here and we talk about the whole while the church is asleep. Better get woke. Well, pastor, I think you're a sellout. Well, then guess what? I am. I sold out to Jesus because I'm not a culture vulture. I'm not going to play this game. I'm just not. You're not going to bait me into a place to play in this game. To take my money to then try to work a system to create a hetero, to, to break ourselves from a heteronormative thinking. You tell me I'm going to give my money for you to teach my child? The devil is a lie. Trust. See, but see, nobody's woke. Because they, you know, be, what they do is they prey on your culture. They prey on your identity. And because you identify so much with one or the other. And now listen to me, because it happens on both sides. When the ra when, on, uh, racism is on both sides of the fence. They, they try to make it seem like it's, but it goes both ways. And they prey on that. Because once they got you divided, you can be conquered. So then when you start saying things like, well, I don't need that, and I don't need this, and I don't need that, yes, you do, because you need to be in positions to make a difference. You need to be in a position of power. Make no mistake about it. The reason why that we are in the agendas and seeing the agendas we have is because there's money behind it to make it happen. Make no mistake about it. We ought to be in position to make a difference. This is why you've got to understand what this prosperity is all about and stop walking around with this you know, blind eye like, well, I don't need all that. No, you do. You need it because the Lord needs it. Amen. <sighs> Isaiah 61. So when Jesus found himself in the book, remember, New Testament was not available. Right? New Testament is not available when Jesus was finding himself in the book. The New Testament was written after Jesus. So if Jesus was to find himself in the book, he would have had to have found himself in the Old Testament. Because that's what they had, the Old Testament. Are you, are you understanding? Okay. So this is where he found himself. Verse 61. I mean, uh, Isaiah 61, verse 1. You ready? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. They called it good tidings in the Old Testament. He called it the gospel. To the meek, he has sent me to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all the more. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, verse 2, and the day of vengeance of our God. To, once you're accepted, there is no vengeance towards you. That's why you have peace with God. So then that's talking to our salvation. Yes, 
That's why at the end of Charlie Brown, little Linus comes out and he says, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. What is he talking about? The fact that the animosity and enmity between you and God has been broken down by Jesus. You now have peace with God, which allows you to have the peace of God. Are are you all here? Okay. So then he says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste and shall raise up the former desolation and shall repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of aliens shall be your plowmen in, and your vine dressers. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you ministers of God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. And in their glory shall you boast yourselves. For your shame you shall have double. For confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land shall they possess Double everlasting joy shall be unto them. For I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offerings, and I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And their seed shall be known amongst Gentiles, and their offspring among people. All that see them shall acknowledge them, and they are seed which the Lord hath blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and his bride adorneth herself with jewels. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and the garden causes the things that which are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Can you put Isaiah 61, 5? In the NLT. Glory be to God. In case y'all didn't catch it the first time. You ready? And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Verse 5. Foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks, plow your fields, and tend. Stay right there. Foreigners. Strangers. Will be your servants. He's not telling you, you know how you send your kid to go get stuff? <laughs> Mama needs some water, go get it. Papa need this, go get it. They're not the ones that are going to be your servants. He's the foreigners. Will be your servants. They, not him. Not her. They will feed your flocks and plow your fields and tend your vineyards. Keep going. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Now he's telling you, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to preach the good tidings, the good news, the gospel. What in the world is the good news? Can you go back to verse 5, please? Here's the good news. Pay attention. Foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks for you. They will plow your fields for you. They will tend your vineyards for you. And 
Verse 6, you will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures and the wealth of the nations, and you will boast in their riches. Glory to God. What is the good news? He's telling you what it is. So then when you say the gospel doesn't include prosperity, you've missed it. There's no possible way it didn't include that. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me just mess you up. Hebrews 8, verse 5. Or oh, the time just be flying. Rome, uh, Hebrews 8, 5. You ready? Um, let me see which translation. NLT, please. Now do me a favor. Put your thinking caps on. Put it on. Ready? Okay. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on... So it's a more better covenant that has more better promises. So then if in the Old Testament you're going to boast in the riches of the world... In the Old Testament, he's going to give you servants to feed your flocks and servants to take care of your vineyards. Not vineyard, vineyards. So you're going to have all of this in the Old Testament, but you're going to tell me that when we move into the New Testament, of which Jesus is a mediator of a better covenant built on better promises, somewhere we lost our ability to prosper, you have missed it. God has said, I will give you vineyards you did not build. I will give you houses. I will give you stuff that did not belong to you because the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, and we have to take our position so we we can do what God has called us to do, to be salt and light on this earth, to make change and to bring difference. And I'm telling you right now, so many people have lost it because they don't know they got to mow better. If I was going to give you a car and I said, hold up, I'm not going to give you this one, I'm going to give you one that's mow better. And I showed up with one that was worse. I'd be a liar. Mo better has got to be mo better. Uh, listen, for some of y'all, I know mo better is not a, a uh, correct enunciation. Deal with it. Mo better. Because you know what? That helps me. That's easy for me. Mo better, mo better, mo better. How's it get better? Mo better. <laughs> so then... So then if he's the mediator of a better, then the Old Testament was a shadow or a pattern. That's what he's telling them. Build according to the pattern. He said the way they did in the old way was a pattern. It was a system. It was, it was a blueprint. But it's not. The new is better. Yes, sir. Amen. So then if 
When he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, told me to proclaim the good news or good tidings unto the poor. What's the good news to the poor? That you don't have to be poor no more. What's the good news to the sick? You don't have to be sick no more. <laughs> yeah, preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's one piece. That's your salvation. Yes, I have peace with God. Trust me, I wouldn't have nothing else if I didn't have peace with God. Can't have the rest. But to mitigate it and stop it right there doesn't line up with Scripture. You have to twist Scripture to get out of that one. Do you hear me? Okay. So then when he's saying that they didn't enter into rest, then he's saying they, and he goes in to talk about the Sabbath. Remember Hebrews 4, 1 and 2, he's talking about the Sabbath and so forth. And most people don't understand the Sabbath is not a rest from God. The Sabbath is a rest with God. See, when, when you understand the rest of faith, then the rest of faith is not that I get to sit back and do nothing. The rest of faith means that I am, all of the toil is removed from what I do. So then when I put forth effort, I get maximum result. See, you know, there, there's a saying that says some people play at what you work at. For example, um, you know, I don't really like, uh, I don't like cleaning my car. I'm not that guy. You know, some people, they love to be out there on Saturday morning, wax on, wax off, wax, that's not me. Now, the guy that I hired to detail my car loves it. He, he out there getting it. Got his little van and all stuff, and he just, he just make And let me tell you, he make my car look like it just came off the lot. I love it, but I don't want to do it. He plays at what I consider work. See, some people don't understand that there's always somebody that plays at what you consider work. There's some people, I don't really, I'm, I can count money, but I'm not a bean counter. I don't like it. But there's some people that love counting money. They love the numbers. They love spreadsheets. And they love. <laughs> that goes one, two, three complicated for me. <laughs> but see, when you're working with God, you get to play at what used to be work. Because now he's working with you. And he's causing whatever you put your hands to to prosper. He removes the toil. He removes the stress. He removes the fear. He removes the hurt. He removes the lack. Now, uh, when, I, when, I do, when I put my hands to this plow, it, it's got to work. It's got to work. That's why Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's still a yoke. But the yoke fits. That's why it says it shall be destroyed by, the yoke shall be destroyed by the anointing. One translation says because your, your neck is too fat. That the yoke that's around your neck becomes destroyed because your neck has grown to the point where it becomes so fat that the yoke can't fit anymore. That's why some of you need to learn you're too fat for that yoke. When Satan tries to put sickness on you, I am too fat for that yoke. When Satan tries to put poverty, I am too fat for that yoke. This one time you can be fat. Because that's what it, that's what he's saying. By the yoke. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. In other words, my yoke fits you. You don't have to force it on. 
You don't have to be like, God, this is so tight. He said, my yoke fits. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I make make it so you can play. You can enjoy what you do and get the full result of what you do. And now everything that I put my hands to, it has to prosper because God told me that it is. And he said, because I believe in him and I understand the gospel, then the gospel brings with it the ability to make sure that I have a full supply in every area of my life. That's why they were mad when Jesus said there was a whole bunch of widows, but he sent it to this one. In other words, you didn't want it, so she took it. Prosperity is for you, but you're too stiff-necked because you don't know how to mix it with faith. Your image is so low. So you confess you're healed, but you cook like your mama used to cook and your mama's mama used to cook. And then you wonder why diabetes runs in this and you want to call it a disease that you're going to rebuke, but it's not a rebukable disease because you brought it upon yourself because of how you... And then you say generational curse. No, it's not a generational curse. It's a generational habit. And we don't want to dismiss habits because habits are difficult. They're not to be flung out the window, but to be coaxed down the stairs one step at a time. Until you realize your image has changed. <laughs> you struggle with things and, and, and you know, instead of having a, ch- a slice of the chocolate cake, you've got to eat the whole thing. Because you had a bad day. Who taught you that eating a whole cake solves a bad day? Come on. Who told you that? Who told you that you can fix a bad day at the bottom of a bottle? Because if you watch TV, they're painting an image. You had a rough day? Oh, let me fix you a drink. For what? So I can have a headache too? Come on. The logic doesn't fit. In the world system, it's all, let's have sex, unprotected and not married, and let's get a drink or get high, and all of a sudden the world is all right. And it's building an image. And then we wonder why we have to stay woke. (laughs) You ready? Luke 13. Hallelujah. Luke 13, verse 10. <clears throat> you ready, y'all? We're going to go a little, just a little, I got two minutes, and we're going to go a couple minutes over, but I'm going to hit it in less than five. Okay? Ready? Let's go. Luke 13, verse 10. And he was teaching one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity eight years, and both together and could no wise ever sum up. <laughs> and, when Je- and when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thy infirmity. And he laid his hands on her immediately. She was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite. Doeth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox and his ass from a stall and lead him away for watering? And ought not this woman, being a covenant child, daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound low these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? 
When he said these things, his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced in all the glorious things that were done by him. This ruler is saying, you can't do this healing business on any one of the six days that are, that are made for secular business. You got to bring healing on a holy day. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Evidently, he thought that healing was not a spiritual thing. Yet and still, the Spirit of God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good tidings or the gospel unto the poor, bind up the broken heart, set at liberty them to the captive, them to hell bound. Preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus is saying one thing, telling you that it's very spiritual, yet this ruler is saying it is not. Which is why you got to be careful because there's so many people to say prosperity is not spiritual. When in fact it is. And what you don't think is spiritual, you'll never experience. Because he had the wrong image. Do you see it, y'all? Jesus is like, this daughter of Abraham, this covenant child, you're not going to tell me that I have to be broke. I have to be this. I have to be that. Well, you know, God's trying to teach me something. Yeah, he's trying to teach you to trust him. Hurry up and do it so we can move on. That's all he's trying to teach you. He's not trying to teach you any glory and you staying in a place of defying his word. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to bind up the brokenhearted and to set at liberty those that are bound and to bring healing and to bring prosperity into your life. He said, I came that you might have life till the full, till it overflows. That is not living in less than. Hey, amen. Hallelujah. I got one amen. Can I get another? You ready? <laughs> Come on now. All right, here you go. Ready? I, I got another minute. Let's go. Romans 118. King James, Romans 118. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness for the unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even, uh, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was Darkened. Imaginations is image. Imaginations. 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 You ready? And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory. They changed the image of the uncorruptible God into an image, into an image made like to corruptible man, to birds, four-footed beasts, and creepy things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to their uncleanness through their lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up to their vile afflictions 
For even their women did change their natural use into which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which seemed unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meet, or which was appropriate. Because they took the image they were supposed to have, and they didn't guard it, and they allowed their image to be changed by the world, and now men are sleeping with men, and women are sleeping with women, and they've left the unnatural use because they allowed the image of an uncorruptible God to be corrupted by the stuff that goes on down here, the agendas that go down here, and now their image has been changed, and because their image has been changed, they now have gotten what they earned based on the image that they had, because if they kept the image of God, if they kept the uncorruptible image, if they kept who God really was, they would get what God really had. He said, and God gave them over to their lusts. The graven images of God shall you burn with fire, you shall not desire silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein. For it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. Neither shall thou bring an abomination into their house, lest uh, thou be cursed thing like it. But thou surely should detest it, and utterly abhor it, for it's a cursed thing. Is that, am I in the right spot? No, I'm not in the right spot. Sorry. That's good, though. Yeah, that was good. But that wasn't it. Where am I? How many pages did we go through here? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What happened here? No, hold on, y'all. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. This thing switched messages on you. Switched messages on me. There it is. Huh? Verse 27, and likewise also the men, this literally switched to an entirely different message. Nice try. <laughs> and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burning their lust one toward another, men with men, working which is unseemly, receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet or which was appropriate. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. To do those things, verse 28, which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural fiction, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do they do the same, but they have pleasure in the ones who do it. <laughs> I, you like the other one better, didn't you? <laughs> He said, because they didn't retain the knowledge of God. They didn't keep the right image. <laughs> they didn't retain who God really was. They just didn't keep it. That's why we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. That's why I said, if you want to find a cure, so you better muzzle the media. Because <laughs> they're propagating fear every which way they can. They're propagating images every which they, way they can. And make no mistake about it. What day is election day? November what? Huh? November 3rd? All this nonsense is going to go away November 4th. 
That's what this is about. <laughs> That's what this is all about. Well, praise Him. Let's pray. You want to? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We're so grateful for the revelations, for the understanding. We're so grateful that we have the privilege to be woke. <laughs> we know what's going on. We see it. Satan, we see you. We see your plan. We take our authority over it right now in the name of Jesus. You have no right. You have no purpose. You have no part nor lot in this matter. We thank you that the premises of God, the purposes of God, the pursuits of God shall prevail against you. You have lost. You know you lost, but you try anyway, which is really the definition of stupidity. The word says that when we see you, the world will be like, this is how puny, this is what this really was? So we're just going to call you puny now. We'll wait to see you later. But we thank you that truth shall prevail. We thank you that God shall prevail. We're grateful for it. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. These things we pray in Jesus' name. And all the believers in the house said... Amen.